Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So as, uh, as we, so many of us were paying attention to uh, President Trump on Tuesday night when he, uh, he gave his address to Congress, and one of the things he talked about was Canada's immigration policy, which he said is merit-based and uh, sufficiently or significantly stronger, if I understood him correctly, than, uh, than the American counterpart. Well, today we have the federal public safety minister, Ralph Goodale, in Emerson, Manitoba, on the border talking about how uh, they have to converse with Americans about who's coming across into Canada. And I suppose the, uh, the uh, third safe country treaty or agreement comes into discussion. Frankly, I don't know what they're doing because as far as I know, the, the safe third country agreement requires you to be returned to the United States if you cross at a, at a, or a, at a um, staffed border crossing. And if you don't, that means you get an IRB hearing, Immigration Review Board hearing, and then you have to go back anyway. It's just a question of time. But then Scott Newark, former Alberta Crown Attorney and former Senior Policy Advisor to Federal Minister of Public Safety, and Scott also the advisor to Ottawa and the federal government on security post 9-11, then I started to hear about the word suspension, like suspending the, uh, the, tr- the, the agreement. I keep calling it a treaty. Uh, suspending the agreement, and some suggesting Quebec already has. What's going on, Scott? Well, uh, it's not up to Quebec to suspend it. It's a uh, Canada-U.S. agreement, and it's got a uh, gaping hole in it in that uh, uh, it only applies at uh, land ports of entry. So guess what? The people who intend to come here uh, and the industry that supports them, and I say that word specifically, uh, have realized that if they come between ports of entry, and enter Canada illegally, by the way, don't, don't lose sight of that fact, that the agreement doesn't apply to them and therefore that they can claim uh, refugee status. It's actually so prevalent it's known on the field, in the field by the guys as uh, saying the R word. And uh, what, minister, what, what is a new development today, though, actually, Roy, is that for the first time, I think Minister Goodale is beginning to acknowledge what some of the other defects in our process uh, uh, is or are, because there's multiple of them in relation to the laws, because, first of all, it's illegal to enter the way that these people are. It's a violation of the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act. Secondly, the fact if you break the law at the time in which you're seeking to enter Canada, that of itself is a grounds for our officers to say you're inadmissible to Canada. But Canadian policy says that even though you may be deemed inadmissible, 
you're allowed to uh, enter the country, or the officer can allow you to enter the country so that you can challenge that inadmissibility ruling. And you can imagine, Roy, if your goal is to get into the country, that's pretty much, uh, you know, mission accomplished. Even more, and this is, as I say, what Minister Goodell was actually alluding to today, um, Section 133 of the Immigration, Refugee, and Protection Act says it basically gives a um, an exemption to people who are breaking our laws, and in more than just the ways I've described, but also, say, by using phony documents, um, trafficking in phony documents, lying to people when they come in, uh, impersonating other individuals. Believe it or not, our legislation actually says that we're not allowed to charge those people with their crimes if they file a refugee claim until after that claim is actually uh, uh, processed. So it's a complete uh, ineffective way of actually enforcing the laws. And as I say, nobody understands this better than the, uh, the illegal migration industry. And that is, in my opinion, what uh, what's going on. You know, I can go back to the uh, early or mid-90s, Scott, when we were talking about the, the numbers of people were finding their way into Canada. They had no papers. They had no business coming to Canada. They bought an airline ticket, and they had documentation like a passport or some other national documentation when they left. When they arrived, when the plane landed in Canada, somehow all that document, documentation yeah. had magically disappeared, and they claimed refugee status. It reminds me of the same thing, except we didn't have the safe third country agreement at that time. Yeah, I mean, the thing I, I, I suggested actually to, to another journalist who asked me about this was they should try to get uh, information about the nature of the individuals that are crossing illegally into Canada. Because I am willing to bet that probably at least 95% of them are not legitimate refugee claimants. Uh, my understanding is from just following the media that actually at least two of them are American citizens. Okay, so they want to leave the United States, you know, for whatever reason. But the the word is out that here's how you do it, and that you can and you can come to Canada. I can actually see that there may be some people that we might want to, you know, tweak the uh, the uh, safe third country agreement or have a policy in place. Like for people, for example, who have arrived in the United States, so let's say they have been in the United States, you know, 30 days or less, and because of the new policies and the suspension on refugee applications, they have transited through the United States and are seeking uh, refugee status in Canada. You know, I think I could maybe even see that that might have some legitimacy to it, but I, I have no hesitation in telling you that I am I'm confident as I say, 95% of the people who are coming here don't fit that category. And, Roy, this is only the beginning. The, the information that I have is that there's approximately, the Americans have identified approximately 300,000 people in the United States who are there illegally, who are non-citizens, who've been ordered deported for, because of criminality. Okay? If they start to crack down, as I think they will, on rounding up the people who are illegally there, you think maybe some of them might decide they want to come to Canada? Maybe so. And and from what I understand, ICE in the United States has already begun. I don't know if it's a crackdown, but they're certainly being be more they're active. They're enforcing the law. I know, I know, but, but I know, but they're more active than they were under yes. Obama. Yes, it's the Immigration uh, Customs Enforcement Unit. Yes, absolutely. And and just so that people understand that, you know, when you hear people sort of howling about how oh Trump is, you know, you can't. It's not 
legitimate or fair to, to claim refugee status in the United States. Donald Trump does not control the refugee system. It's in place by law, and it's uh, governed and overseen by the courts. So the notion that somehow America you know, is this place that is no longer safe for people claiming refugee status in its his, in its past, the way it's dealt with it's his nonsense. And and credit to be given to the uh, our, our the Canadian immigration minister who said basically that as well too. I think the the greater difficulty that is starting to be revealed is the extent to which our laws have uh, defects in them, so that people who are knowingly violating what our laws are, if they say that magic R word, that's it, the whole thing goes on hold and. You know, I think you and I were talking last week about this. The last time I checked, the Auditor General had reported that there were over 44,000 people who were non-citizens who um, were either in the stage of removal uh, or had not shown up for their hearings. There was 40, over 44,000 of them for whom there were arrest warrants out. But, you know, to many, to, to many on the particularly soft left, that doesn't matter. No. That doesn't matter, Scott. Because, because our responsibility is to have no borders, is their argument. There must yeah. be no borders. There must be just free access and, and free exit from wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. Yeah. I think, I think that is the ideological approach that is behind all of this stuff. And it's, uh, you know, uh, it, it's going to be playing out uh, here in Canada because... It will be. Uh, we're already starting to see an example of that. It, there appears to be an administration in the United States that's going to take a more forceful um, approach on actually enforcing their laws. And as a result, uh, because of the nature of, you know, the Canada-U.S. border, people are, are starting to come into Canada. And as the, I don't know whether you saw the article this week in the National Post from the president of the uh, Customs Immigration Union. I did. In, you know, in all Canada, who's a friend of mine, I do some work with the guys, Jean-Pierre Fortin, who described the Canada-U.S. border as Swiss cheese. It's full of holes. So they want a they want a border task force of some three hundred mobile patrol, hundred percent correct. How do three hundred people take care of a border this immense? Well, let me put it that this way: it's probably like it's three hundred more people than are doing it right now. Roy, you may not be aware of this, but uh, the enforcement between Canada's uh, designated ports of entry is not done by Canada Border Services Agency. It's supposedly done by the RCMP. Because of a 1932 yeah. order in council, it's ridiculous. I remember, you know, when my wife and I would get in the boat uh, in Quebec and, 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 and cross over to Vermont, there was a, a little border post in the middle of the lake, and you had to go up to this little border. Never, never anybody there. You had to go up, and you had to put down the name of your boat and who you were and what your ID numbers were if you had a passport and, and what your mission was or your, your, what your objective was to, to enter the United States or conversely enter Canada. That was it. Well, yeah, actually, that was a special uh, uh, border check-in point that was applied directly to you, though. I just want to Is that what it was? Yeah. I always wondered about yeah. that. No, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. They put it in place just as soon as I moved to Quebec. Yeah, it was, well, no, that was, it's because it was for uh, left-wing radio talk show hosts. Well, they're worried I'm coming back. <laughs> Don't go away, Mr. Newark. We'll All come right. back and we'll talk more with Scott about what's happening with our immigration and uh, with our border crossings. And what the responsibility is of, uh, of governments and what the responsibility of police are. And, you know, last weekend we talked about the sanctuary cities. All of this comes to play. It's, it's like one big mix. But this issue about border crossings is going to grow as the weather gets warmer. Stay with us. Compassionate, caring, and cuddly. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
The uh, Canadian border under discussion, and particularly the Canadian border between official border crossings, where hundreds of people are now entering Canada from the United States, and the concern is that it could be thousands and many thousands by the time the summer rolls around, and some or many of those may have issues, criminality issues, with American authorities. That's why they may want to get away from the United States and head into Canada. Wouldn't be the first time. Scott Newark, former Alberta Crown attorney. We Remember, Scott, we were talking, God, it was about 25 years ago, yeah. Charles Ng and Leonard Lake. Yes. There are two guys, former Marines, who plotted um, a, a whole series of abductions and sexual assaults and, and murders and built themselves a, a, a sort of a, a dungeon that they used. Correct. And before they broke out of prison, before Ng broke out, broke out of prison, he researched different countries around the world which had the softest immigration and refugee laws so he could go there if he could get escape. Number one on his list was Canada. He came here. We kept him here in this country because in the U.S. he was facing the death penalty in California. And I remember being on the air with parents of some of Ng and Lake's victims trying to explain to them why Charles Ng wasn't returning to his country of origin to face his country's justice. Yeah, I was was involved in the case, uh, as you may recall. uh, I helped the RCMP uh, when Ng was arrested in Calgary, um, actually on a shoplifting case. He was the... May have been a serial killer. He was the world's worst shoplifter. That's how he was originally uh, caught in uh, the first place in that. California. Yeah. Um, and uh, the RCMP had to put together the case for the extradition. So I helped them with it. And there was another connection. You remember the uh, the Daniel Zingra case as well? Too? I do. There was a, a connection on that. And um, the uh, the point about it was is that uh, uh, he was able to get through not just because of our defects, but also because of significant defects in the American uh, uh, tracking systems as well, too. That was, in fairness, a very long time ago. I don't think that would have uh, happened uh, this time. But what that really was is, as you say, um, it, it speaks to a history of whether or not there was a good enough case to remove them. The legal issue yeah. is whether or not uh, our charter allowed somebody to be sent back to a jurisdiction where there was the death penalty. And we ultimately... I think it took, if I recall... Sent him back. I think it took seven years. It took at least that. At least just, that. Just point out one thing, Roy. I did a show one time on the case. Uh, it was a, a U.S. TV series called American Justice. And I was going through and explaining sort of all of what happened. And I said at the end of it, I said, it turns out actually that, ironically, that the only thing slower than the Canadian justice system was the American justice system. Because it took uh, so long to actually uh, process, and he's still he's still sitting uh, in a uh, cell in California, theoretically awaiting for the uh, I, completion of the death. Are you sure he wasn't executed? No. Okay. No, I just. Well, know, he certainly I, deserved it, and 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 speaking to his uh, to his victims' parents. Yeah, I did. To, I I did as well too. Yeah. It's awful, just absolutely yes. awful, because they yes. couldn't understand why, why isn't he being sent back? Why isn't he being well, sent back? Well, because it was our charter. I mean, I know, I know, but try, try to explain that to the. That we would have that uh, debate, and by the way, we won that decision four to three yeah. in the Supreme Court of Canada about maybe five or six years ago. They changed their mind, and now uh, we wouldn't do that. So, uh, what is supposed to happen uh, with these people who have crossed over from the United States now? Uh, those who were in the U.S. long enough to file a, uh, a refugee claim, those who would be under the under the um, uh, auspices or the, the rules of the Safe Third Country Agreement, what's supposed to happen to them? What's going to happen to them? 
Well, um, some of the reporting has actually been wrong about that. It, it, the safe third country applies to um, anybody who is coming to Canada and, and uh, making a refugee claim. They don't have to have already made a claim in the United States because the premise of it is that, you know, what you're really saying is um, it's not that you're at risk when you're coming from, you know, when you're in the United States, it's that you would prefer to be a refugee in Canada rather than the United States. Which well, is what the treaty is all about, in right? In line with everybody else. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's the first thing, is that it applies to anybody who is coming in that is seeking refugee status. In my opinion, there was a mistake made in that it only applied at land ports of entry. It should, it should apply, I think, to the entire, anybody entering either way. And just don't forget, folks, this goes both ways. And a big part of the reason why the Americans actually were uh, in favor of doing this is because around the time that it was happening, there was at least an equal number of people coming from Canada sneaking into the United States. That's, num- that's the number one defect on it. The number two defect, in my opinion, is that there's an exemption given to people who come from uh, visa-free countries, um, like, like Mexico. And that's why we originally, back in around 2007, when we were being flooded with people from the United States who were coming to Canada claiming refugee status, that we ultimately put in the uh, visa requirement, which unfortunately the new government has listed. Uh, We need to work with the Americans on this to get a joint solution to what we're going to do with these people, okay, because there's different fact profiles to them. So people who are coming that are illegal, say that they're in the United States illegally and they have arrest warrants out for them, okay, maybe those are the ones that we hand back. I think we need, a, frankly, an expedited process, and the, uh, this is something the former government had put in place, where you have designated countries. Like, I mean, if somebody is coming from the United States to Canada, they're originally from Sweden, and they're claiming refugee status, I think maybe we could resolve that case a little quicker. Possibly. If, for example, they're from um, Syria or Yemen or something. Yeah. But the point of it is, is that these kinds of people, and make no mistake, the reason they are doing what they're doing is because they are trying to avoid our screening process, okay? And that should raise a red flag, and we should recognize that and deal with it, work out a way so that I, because I still think there are potentially people, given the new procedures that are in the United States, a very, very small number of them, that we may want to legitimately allow to come in and go through the process for a, for a refugee claim. But people who are deliberately breaking our laws to get into the country in my opinion, should not be given a benefit. There should be a, a, a negative consequence for the racket. Okay, and I agree with you. People who were caught up in that uh, EA, that yes. executive action, didn't know where they, what their rights were, what they could and couldn't do, and didn't have an opportunity because of that to file a claim in the U.S. But for example, if somebody's yeah. been in the United States for 10 years and they've never filed a refugee, refugee no, well, that's claim, a different, now all of a sudden they're a refugee? No, no uh, I don't think so. Come on. Mr. Newark. Always good talking to you. Thanks, Scotty. All right, sir. You as well. Bye-bye. Roy Green Show on the Corliss Radio Network. When we come back, it's Beauties and Two Beasts. No, hang on. No, Two Beauties and One Beast. Yeah, it's two and one. We'll work it out. We'll come right back.